The Ontario Conservatives also under fire for fundraising letters sent to supporters that were labeled invoice, indicating, of course, that there was some sort of bill due rather than a request for money. We have got the very latest on that controversy ahead. But first, leaders back out again this afternoon on the campaign trail. And Aaron O'Toole in the PCs boosted by a couple of pieces of news on this Thursday. First, the Toronto Star reporting a brand new poll that sees the Liberals slipping by three points and now in a virtual tie, tie with uh, the Conservative Party, and a stunning and unexpected win by the PCs in Nova Scotia's provincial election. And for more on this, let's welcome in Kevin Goodett with Bright Point Strategy. He joins us now here on Global News Radio. Hey, Kevin, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Happy summer. Likewise. Uh, just how much of solace should uh, the federal conservatives Aaron O'Toole take in this win by the PCs in Nova Scotia, do you think? <laughs> well, it's certainly not bad news for him. Uh, of, of all the political parties that should be concerned about it, I think that the federal liberals should be concerned. All of the elections that occurred across Canada during COVID up to that point had re-elected incumbents. So I think that the federal liberals were banking on that precedent. And to have the polls be so wrong in Nova Scotia should, I think, make and provide concern for the Liberals. Now, whether or not Aaron O'Toole can have the exact same success is obviously yet to be determined, but it's definitely not good, I don't think, for, it's definitely not good news for Justin Trudeau, I don't think. So this should give the federal Liberals some pause, you believe, and is that uh, because of the similarities between a uh, snap election and that that didn't go over very well, obviously, in uh, Nova Scotia, and you think that that is a narrative and something that Aaron O'Toole and the Conservatives need to continue and push out on the campaign trail? Yeah, I'm not sure if Aaron, I think Aaron needs to focus on his own brand and his own, on himself, who he is and what he stands for. Uh, and I think the electorate will draw its own inferences about whether or not it thinks that the federal liberal call for the election is too cynical by half. Um, there's a, a weird political phenomenon, as, as you know, which is at a certain point in time, almost unpredictably, an electorate can just suddenly decide they've had enough of a government. You know, Nova Scotia, a liberal government, had been in power for a lengthy period of time. And it reminds me a little bit of Ontario when one thought, you know, the PC party in Ontario was at 42% in 2011. Dalton McGuinty had, was still leader. And, um, and then the PCs blew it. And, and McGuinty got back in, and then Kathleen went. And and again, she also won a minority. So despite the fact that that government had blown, and then all of a sudden in 2018 it was a landslide, as we know. So that's the, there's a weird, uh, almost hard to predict, and that's that's the issue. When I go back to 2011 in Ontario, Tories at one point were at 42% just ahead of the election. Just like in, in Nova Scotia, the Liberals were up by 9 or 10 uh, at the writ drop. And, and then... I mean, it's not like the Liberals did anything really wrong in the campaign. I guess they just didn't do a whole lot right. They just didn't. Yeah. What, what exactly, Kevin? Do, do we know what happened there in Nova Scotia? Because you're right. Tim Houston and the Progressive Conservative Party, they were down double digits at uh, one point and came roaring all the way back to a majority government, their first in that province since really the turn of the century, since 1999. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I think the only way we're going to really know the answer to that question is if we do some focus groups. And, and get people in Nova Scotia telling us exactly why they, you know, say former liberals changed their vote. Um, so I'll speculate for what it's worth, but it's based on guesswork, not not data per se. 
Um, Tim Houston uh, came across affably and genuinely so. So he was authentic. There's always a challenge in politics where when politicians pretend to be something that they're not, people in, inherently have an instinctual reaction to that and, and don't like it because then people think those politicians are unpredictable. Houston came across genuinely and his platform clearly was the right thing at the right time. So he, he talked an awful lot. In fact, the CBC of all organizations called his platform left wing, um, which says a little bit about how left wing his platform must have been. He talked about healthcare spending, more doctors, more healthcare spending, uh, more money for hospitals, and that resonated. And this all came on the heels of the liberal leader disclosing publicly that he'd been nailed with a DUI when he was, I don't remember exactly what age, but when he was a young, younger man, like 20 or something. So that bad news for the liberal leader came out, and then he, out of the blue, calls the election, and Tim Houston and the, and the, and the Nova Scotia PCs come up with a healthcare heavy spending plan, and the electorate just suddenly stampeded and decided they liked it. Yeah, and let's talk a little more about that plan and spending, because Tim Houston really did kind of flip the script, if you will, Kevin, on the traditional conservative message of uh, fiscal uh, responsibility and uh, tightening the reins, as you just mentioned, talked a lot about spending, particularly in health care. And is that something that Aaron O'Toole and the federal conservatives, should they be aware of? So that's a harder question to answer because Canada being such a large country with 10 provinces, and we can argue if it's four or five regions, the Atlantic Canada is a little bit of a different kettle of fish, as is Quebec, Ontario, and then we can arguably split the West if you want to include BC separate or not. Um, and they are a little more red-leaning, if you will, or red Tory-ish um, in Atlantic Canada because of the greatest extent, the relative absence of private sector employment. So they exist more on public subsidies. So there is a genuine knee-jerk disposition to be a little more government-friendly. So a platform for a conservative party out there that's more government-heavy makes more sense. Uh, if this translates for Aaron, I think it might translate into adding a couple of seats in Atlantic Canada. That would make a big difference when he needs an extra 70 or so seats or 60-plus seats to form a majority, uh, you know, if he is able to pick off, pick a number out of the 26 seats out there, if he's able to pick off an extra three or four out of the 26, that's a good beginning to, to working his way towards a majority. I'm, I'm not optimistic about that, but that's where the math starts to matter because he, he needs to pick up a couple of Atlantic Canada seats to have a hope of a majority. All right. And can Aaron O'Toole, can he kind of uh, grab some of the momentum in Nova Scotia, do you think? Because there is reporting out of that province that Tim Houston and the Nova Scotia Progressive Conservatives don't exactly see eye to eye or, quite frankly, get along with the uh, federal conservatives. As a matter of fact, at one point, uh, Tim Houston said that, no, we're our own separate party. Yeah, as long as Aaron, uh, if comparisons are made from a policy perspective, uh, that'll help Aaron. You know, part of the big question still is Aaron's a new entity to an awful lot of voters or the vast majority of voters. Will they see Aaron as likable like they did Houston? Will they see him believable as they did Houston? Um, and, and if those things are check marks. And then if we see maybe a little bit of a surge by the NDP, because the NDP often can do well in Nova Scotia, um, suddenly you've got a couple of seats in play where the Tories can win some splits. And just finally, Kevin, here in Ontario, you mentioned Aaron O'Toole. This is really kind of his coming out party in a lot of ways, this federal election. And some voters, maybe a lot of voters still getting to know Aaron O'Toole and who he is. 
Do you expect him maybe to use Premier Ford and the Ontario Conservatives a little more than the last time around? I mean, famously, Andrew Scheer, of course, avoided Doug Ford and the Conservatives. Well, that's, uh, I thought I saw in the newspaper the other day a unattributed senior source comment suggesting that the Ford government had agreed to a non-aggression pact, if you will, with the federal Liberals. Uh, Doug Ford had said in the past, sometime last year, that he would not be campaigning federally in this election. Um, so I think he's going to sit it out. Now your question is, does Aaron Atul play off uh, Ford in any way? I think he may just ignore him altogether and just try to be his own guy and run his own platform and, and, and see where that takes him. We've only got 32 days or 31 days left in this campaign. I, I think to the greatest extent, he's just going to leave it alone. Keeping in mind, the back-to-school thing is a bit of a hand grenade that will kick in place just after Labor Day, right? All the fear uh, around COVID, way four, and back-to-school rules. And I think Aaron's going to want to avoid being associated with that. All right. As you mentioned, it is a sprint, not a marathon, to the finish line. This is the shortest election allowed by law. Kevin, appreciate the time. It's always good to talk. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jeff. Good to hear you. All right. Kevin Goodett with us from Bright Point Strategy. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.